0: Welcome back, (laughs) I am still black, I'm back like what's in the new chicken wraps. it is I, your gracious, gracious, your gracious amazing host, Fluid Flower, and you are now tuned in listening to Fluid Thoughts. Before we get into the episode, I just want to do an emotional check-in. I want you, wherever you're listening to this episode, I want you to just take a minute, take a beat. If you can just quiet your surroundings, breathe in, breathe out, and just ask yourself, how's your soul doing? I get on this show a lot and I be going a mile a minute (laughs) and I just be, right? Like I just be going in. As I'm going to do with this episode today. But um, I just want to say to the girls, the gays, the thems, the days, my dudes, my bros, everybody who supports me on this show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And also, how is your soul doing? Um, take some time for yourself this week to just do what you need to do to get your mind right because it's it's really crazy out there we don't need to get into it I mean I'm gonna get into it with the show but just understand and just know it's a lot of shit going on and I just want to let you know I'm in your corner I support you whatever you're going through I pray that the universe that God Jesus Jehovah Jireh sorry that was my phone in the background whoever it is that you pray to Allah your deliverance your blessing your breakthrough is already here and I totally and completely believe that for you, because I understand how tiring it is to just exist in this plane of capitalism and <laughs> and Kanye West <laughs> and poverty and rent prices and rent increase and market you know spikes and inflation It's just a lot of shit, so. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing in this moment, know that you are loved and you are appreciated by me. And I'm so thankful that we just get to tune in with each other once a week or every other week, whenever I feel like logging on this bitch. (laughs) And we just get to tune in and check with each other and just relate to one another. Um, But yeah, you guys are amazing. You all are amazing, I should say. Um, But yeah, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Stop and appreciate yourself in this moment. Breathe. And then choose one or two things that you're going to do for yourself to make sure that you meet yourself where you are. Release the job. Release your wiggle. Release your trade. Like release it all. Like listen to Renaissance and drink wine. Have your own club Renaissance in your house. Invite a friend or two over and watch uh, some scary movies. Go to a Halloween party. Protect yourself. Make sure you're safe. I know there's parties and stuff going on. You know, COVID's still a real thing, but you know, Maybe some small gatherings or maybe just some outdoor gatherings and you still wear a mask. Do what you got to do to make yourself happy. Uh, Because happiness seems to be fleeting in this world. Uh, So whatever you can to do, whatever you can do to bring yourself joy, that's what we should do. Okay. Um, Before we get into the episode, let's get into another segment of Bitch What The Fuck um girl okay when I tell you all for this week's bitch what the fuck I am so tired when it comes to the fucking job searching I made a tiktok I think yesterday Ooh, and I'm going viral on tiktok y'all <laughs> go go watch me <laughs> but um yeah so I make a tiktok I'm in my bed I'm tired and then I just hear this voice in the back of my head you're supposed to be applying for jobs you're supposed to take an hour a day and apply for jobs why aren't you applying for jobs and I'm like and I say self and myself goes what bitch and I'm like I'm not applying for jobs because I'm fucking tired so I make the TikTok where I basically say how am I supposed to apply for jobs when the job I have makes me tired because I'm doing the job and then I'm expected to go interview and do these jobs when I'm still tired from the same fucking job I have now Girl, when I tell you I was so over it, I was so fucking done. So today I was like, okay, there's like this staffing. I'm not gonna name who they are, <laughs> but there's like this staffing firm that has been going around on TikTok, like, hey, like we staff people and we do this and we do that, la 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 la. Send us your resume. And obviously, everything isn't cooked up to what it is. You know, there's always stipulations with it, but I was like, let me just try it. So I fill out the stuff. I, you know, send in my resume, everything, um, all of that. Then a couple hours later, I get an email saying, hey, look, thanks so much for like applying. We're going to keep you involved in the next steps. Unfortunately, right now, and see, that's it. That's where it comes. Unfortunately, right now, we're not able to uh, set you up with any one of our jobs, blah, blah. Okay, bitch, the wise you talking to me. I only want to talk about this money. If you can't help me do nothing, then why the fuck is you sitting up here talking to me? You, you should have left me on red, hoe. Like, I don't even want, at this point, if you're not hitting my inbox with a job offer, I'm not trying to hit a shit. So y'all pray for me. I'm going to be applying for jobs, doing what I do best. But people have to understand, like, it's not easy applying for jobs or putting yourself out there. Last week or the week before last, I supposedly, I supposed to have an interview for one job, and I completely forgot about it because one, I didn't want to do it. The job description seemed very difficult, and and it didn't talk about like the money. And I'm like, it's probably a very difficult job with very shit pay, because you when you see jobs they either tell you how much it is up front and they're like no negotiation or they tell you is they tell you what it is up front and they're like willing to negotiate and they know that they have um it's on the higher end when it comes to salaries on the higher end so this job was like this is what we do machine learning python data analytics blah 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 and I'm like girl <laughs> I'm not doing all of that (laughs) like I'm not I'm not doing I'm not gonna do all of that and so I'm out having me a Trader Joe's moment and I'm like picking up food and buying plants and you know living my best life and I get an email a reminder that I have an interview in 20 minutes and I'm like oh shit I completely forgot about this and I forgot to take it off my calendar girl why the lady go email me say hey we found another candidate thanks (laughs) bitch the way you could have kept that to your fucking self are you kidding me right now so then I obviously being the petty ass motherfucker I am I emailed her back and I was like hey thanks jabubu but please remove me from your mailing list and she was like oh my god I'm, I'm so sorry um I I didn't know so I guess I guess she thought that like somebody like hacked my email and that was a bot. but no I was just in my feelings because <laughs> The job that I didn't want also did not want me. <laughs> not us rejecting each other. <laughs> We're actually a match made in heaven when you think about it. Um, any hoops. but yeah, that's just been on my mind. Um, I'm just, I'm just tired. Like, I, I need money. A lot of my problems right now would be solved if I just made a higher salary. And I don't understand why the higher salary jobs. I don't know how you get them, where you get them from but I am believing uh, for divine intervention and divine faith because that's all I could do at this point in time at the, at the end of the day. Um, but moving on to the episode today, we're going to talk about um, fat phobia. I know that was like my very first episode and I mention it all of the time, but we're going to revisit it a little bit now that I've had um, a little bit of introduction into like fat studies um, and fat phobia and fat politics because I'm starting to see how the in the ways in which social media warps our brain see social media is a tool I don't necessarily believe that social media is inherently negative and I try not to use the word inherently a lot even though I do use it a lot <laughs> Um, but social media, I don't believe that it is inherently negative. I think that anything developed in the superstructure of capitalism will eventually find its way um, to behaving and acting like the superstructure, with the, therefore draining and manipulating and, and causing death and praising one group of people people over like the entire global South. I'm so damn African peeper. One group of paper. <laughs> But my point being that when I am on social media and I see people generate myths, right? Like it's not that they're creating these things out of their ass. It is literally just the way in which we all used to sit around, uh, you know, after church or at the dinner table or within at the, at the kids table during holiday dinners or whenever you were at a family reunion or for some people, um you know wherever you were gathered with friends and family in your community when you met up with people right the things the table talk that gets talked about there is just now being talked about on social media and so now we just have a a inside eye that oh everybody just kind of generates their own myths and, and nonsense and things that are that are unique and specific and sometimes not so specific or not so unique, but that a lot of the times are unique and specific to our cultures and our upbringings and where we grew up. Um, and so one of those things, uh, or really not one of those things, but plenty of those things are normally just uh, perpetual, myths arguments debates that uphold our current superstructure so when we see things online uh, or podcasts online or tweets or whatever it is, what have you and people talking about gay son thought daughter uh <laughs> you know all of that nonsense uh who whose plate are you gonna fix first these are conversations that people have been having in every community not just black community in every community um since forever, <laughs> like, and so I, I like to think that, um, that, that these conversations will one day go away, but they don't, they don't seem to be doing that. One of the things that I want to talk about today is essentially, um, people's misunderstanding of how they support fat people, because you have not developed an actual fat politic. What do I mean by that? There are a couple of things that I that I keep hearing on social media, but also like to my face uh, from friends or I've heard it from friends before, like in the past, uh, present and, and you know, most likely we'll be hearing them in the future. Um, and a lot of it is politics that are not outside of desirability or fuckability. What do I mean by that? Uh, there's like a, there's like a whole bunch of TikToks going on. I'll talk about the social media part first. There's a whole bunch of TikToks going around talking about, oh, I love when big girls pull fine men. Oh, uh, and all the skinny bitches be mad that the big girl pull fine men, and they be trying to figure out how does she pull him, and this, that, and the third. And and there's there's sort of like this like twofold like destruction piece to it. If I if I may elaborate on my thoughts. There's the part where like on one hand you have, um, there is this hatred of big women, a hatred of fat people when we are dating or when we are having relations with a person who fits the bill of desirability and the beauty standard. And what what normally ends up happening is that everybody is affected by this stuff, right? Some more than others, obviously there are marginalized communities and identities that get the bare brunt of this. But what happens in this aspect is that you have fat people who are hated on simply because they are fat and now you're extra hated on because a person who is desirable is desiring you. So now people put vitriol not just on you but also on the person also on the person that you are in relationship with because everyone is expecting this person who fits the beauty standard to behave and act in a certain way simply because of what they look like now by no means am I saying that these things are equivalent but what I am saying is nobody is able to realize or experience the depth the full depth of their humanity because you have people trying to justify or validate me as a fat person or saying that I have value because this desirable or attractive person desires me. And I want people to understand you saying she's pretty for a big girl or she's a big girl and she pulls fine men or she's a big girl and she's, she's she runs fast and she's fit. She's a big girl and she can do X, Y, and Z. Those qualifier statements do not save me as a fat person from the violence I experience in this anti-black, anti-fat superstructure. Like, do you understand how that works? You, okay, I, I had a friend who I'm actually no longer friends with. And it was actually very interesting. I was actually going to do a whole episode as to why our friendship broke up. But I didn't feel comfortable doing that. Maybe I'll release that another day, but it literally just happened like not even 24 hours ago. So I was like, let me calm down, let me chill. But one of the reasons why I did decide to end the friendship was because she was very fat phobic. Now, me dealing with internalized fat phobia, um, I, when I was a kid, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. When I was a kid, I made the conscious choice to not be, um, friends with other big people and now as a person who is getting into fat studies getting into fat politics I'm just like oh this is actually very wrong and I need to make sure that I have friends who also experience the same things that I experience so that I can be in community with people with other fat people so this one friend we'll call her Alaska and Alaska like sends me like stuff all the time about like oh do you think I should do this diet you think I should do this cleanse mind you Alaska is like a size four like Alaska is very thin a relatively thin black woman and I'm just like why are you asking me to affirm your eating disorders because this is fucking madness what weight is it that you're trying to lose Well, Alaska's ideology was, well, I just I just I I feel bad that I've been eating dirty, quote unquote, and I want to eat clean to cleanse out my system, quote unquote. And I tell her, hey, Alaska, you do realize that a lot of myths um, about the health and wellness industry are actually just myths. You you're not a you're not addicted to any kind of drugs. You have a functioning liver Uh, And functioning kidneys your body has its own detox and filtration system you are gonna be fine like you don't have to do that if you feel like oh these foods in general just don't make me feel all that great then absolutely sure eat some more vegetables moderate like your your um fun foods I like to call them and then you just make sure that you do your blood work every three to six months to make sure that everything is okay and then I follow up with because actually a lot of the other myths that are perpetuated by the health and wellness industry are also were also born out of Nazi Germany. Um, the idea, like you know, when we when we understand IQ, same thing when it comes like, oh, you need to be breedable and have a certain amount of hips with to 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 bear perfect German babies all that shit came out of like fucking Nazi Germany which just gets repackaged into fucking uh health and wellness and fitness standards um that are simply just for the aesthetic and just to continue on in the ableism the fat phobia and all the isms and stuff it's an elitist attitude so when I tell her that she goes oh you're just being a hotep and that's not true and I'm like I I can send you the articles to to where they are Oh no, that's not true. Everything isn't white supremacy, but it literally is when you're living inside that superstructure. And so I'm sitting up here arguing with a person who was denying my understanding as a fat person. Like, hey, I've actually done some research on this and you're killing yourself for literally no fucking reason whatsoever. But you want to sit here and argue with me and you don't want to believe me because I'm fat. <laughs> now hold on, now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Nicki Minaj has no idea how funny she is. She's literally such a joke. Um, Why is it that when I say something, the big girl, I tell you, and now you don't want to believe me until a a white registered dietitian says the same thing. Even after I already told you, I said, yeah, like I... I've, I've read this, I've researched this, I can send you the articles from scholars from all over, white, black, Latino, ev- all, all over. Like there's supporting evidence that suggests what I talk about, but it wasn't solidified in your brain, not only because you saw another person saying it, but because that person was thin. Whether she makes the connection or not is no longer my problem because we're no longer friends, but it's the fact that y'all will go out of your way to silence big people when we're talking about Health and wellness, and all this other stuff. Because, in according to this superstructure, we don't fit the bill or the standard of health and wellness. I clearly can't know what I'm talking about when I say, "Hey, you don't have to do HIIT workouts five to six times a week in order to lose weight. You can do uh, yoga. You can do walking. You can do Pilates. You can do other stuff. Because actually, if if weight loss is your goal." your main thing is caloric deficit. It really doesn't matter what diet you choose, vegan, keto, uh, low carb, Atkins, it doesn't fucking matter. All of it is variations of caloric deficit. Now, when I say that, and I've said that to family members, I've said that to friends, because why do I know? I know because as a fat person, I have been in medically managed weight loss programs where I am, uh, tracked by a dietitian and a nutritionist, um, and a caregiver, a public health caregiver that focuses on dietetics and nutrition. Understand like I've gone through it and I've lost weight. I've also gained weight. Weight loss, weight gain is simply just a part of life. Now you sit up here not believing me because you see that I got this midsection, Okay, well sit up there with your eating disorder then because I've had those too. I spot it too. I know what it looks like to purge, to binge, to starve, to do all of those things. But it's the fact that y'all do not allow fat people to have voices because y'all do not value fat people. And this is coming straight from not only like observation, but also from experience and research that I've read. Y'all do not value fat people. The society in general is an anti-fat superstructure. Is an anti-fat structure. I would I would even agree with uh, author Deshaun Harrison, uh, author of Belly of the Beast, that anti-fatness is a politic of anti-blackness. When we look into Belly of the Beast, or look into the racial origins of Sabrina Strings' fat phobia, um, I said that backwards. When we look into the racial origins racial origins of fat phobia by Sabrina Strings, they talk about how these uh, eugenicists, these phrenologists, these race scientists created, um, fucking laws and books and, and, and medical jargon, uh, to justify enslaving black people and colonizing black and brown nations, enslaving brown, black and brown nations because of, uh, the way that we are shaped the way that we are built. And so I can continue to go into that forever, but understand once this superstructure of white supremacy started everything that we're in right now is just a repackaged reformed version of it that's been watered down so that the empire can continue so my thing is just like what is it about me like you know that i'm intelligent right we you you talk to me about everything my friends tell me talk to me about everything they always want to get my take on it but when it comes to health oh I'm going to have to research that one girl, because I don't really, I don't, I don't know. I just have to go see for myself. I remember telling a friend, this is out of the mouth of babes. The the, the truth speaks. My registered dietitian, a doctor told me that there's really no difference between white and brown, right, right and brown rice. When you get down to the brass tacks, she says brown rice has maybe about a half a gram more fiber than white rice. Now, obviously, when it comes down to quality from the different brands and from like how it was stored, uh, from how it was treated and like quality control, you know, things may change depending on what it is. But for the most part, if you get a quality white, white rice and a quality brown rice, the brown rice only has about half a gram, half a gram more fiber. And, and then she said, and when you are a, when you are chronic, when you have a chronic illness, like diabetes, it really doesn't matter what rice you eat because your sugar response is more than likely going to be the same. So now, and so now I'm trying to tell that to these certain friends and everybody all of a sudden is a dietitian and a and a in a uh, a health planner when it comes to fat people and i'm trying to tell this to them I'm like no i'm gonna continue to eat my chicken and and broccoli and brown rice uh for 12 days in a row because that's absolutely and completely normal oh yeah i'm also anemic and vitamin d deficient and i'm also have these other nutrient deficiencies but it clearly has nothing to do with my meals <laughs> it's just it's literally just because i'm thin and i i know what i'm doing because in and what I do keeps me thin. But thin is not equating to overall health. And that is the same thing for fatness. Fitness and fatness are not diametrically opposed. I've said these things before. And being thin does not make you the, the morality uh, uh, fucking <laughs> morality angel when it comes to health and fitness or health and wellness. It doesn't make you and it doesn't make you moral. Be and uh, because you are thin it doesn't make me immoral because I am big but when you all get to these ideas and these conclusions about big people are worth their humanity because they're able to not fit the bill as far as like what it means to be fat you're not slobby you're not lazy you're not disgusting you're put together that does not help us not experience violence and understand that violence the things that I was just listing now—that is a form of violence. You not taking stock in the things I'm saying because I am fat. You not taking me seriously because I am fat. You expecting me to not have any boundaries because you don't see me—you don't see me as a human being. So you get upset with me when I set boundaries because you think I'm a big person. I should be able to take and take and take whatever bullshit that people dish out and give to me. It's nonsense. We, as a community, Um, we need to start thinking critically. We need to start thinking about how our words impact marginalized communities. We need to stray away from surface level analyses because that's essentially what it is. You trying to validate me. Yeah, you big, but you pretty. Yeah, you big, but you got long hair. I've been growing my locks for about 10 years. My hair, I think, touches like the crest of my lower back. Um... And I, I don't really there's there's something about me because I realize how people treat me when I'm big. And it's not to say that I've been treated terribly, like I'm treated terribly all the time. But it's just the small little nuances of things that I realize, like, obviously, I've experienced outright complete Physical violence and emotional violence and abuse because of my size, but also it's the small little microaggressions, too. That's what I mean when I say violence is on the spectrum. If racism is on the spectrum, fat phobia is on the spectrum. There are different things, different levels to these phobias and isms that plague our lives every single day. So, you know, I'll be out and about, and it's always, um, someone who'll be like oh my god your hair is so beautiful your hair is so beautiful and i followed up and thank you and then i'll be like yeah that's good that you have long hair because it really like it fits your face bitch shut the fuck up why would you sit up here talking about my cheeks and my triple chin leave my cheeks and my triple chin alone I'm talking about it shapes my face bitch i'm about to shape my foot up your motherfucking ass and these are fucking strangers I don't know these people like, oh yeah, I really love that you have long hair. Like, cause I don't know what you would look like if you didn't have no hair. Well, I used to have short hair. I used to, I used to shave my hair short and have me a little teeny weeny afro. I used to get fades. Like don't fucking play with me. I used to get motherfucking edge ups. Like I'm, I'm beautiful any motherfucking way. Another way that I have experienced microaggressive violence as a fat person is when I am talking to my relatively thin friends and I'm talking about my experiences with fat phobia. The first thing that that comes out of their mouth is, but you're so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. I know (laughs) that's not what I'm talking about. You calling me beautiful um doesn't negate the fact that there are people who want to harm me you calling me beautiful does not negate the fact that doctors won't listen to you as a double-edged sword because you are a black woman and you're fat you see what I'm saying beauty is not the antithesis of of fat phobia I never said I was ugly bitch I never said nothing about no motherfucking ugly I said people treat fat people poorly simply because they are fat and here y'all come oh god you're so beautiful you love you so much and i get it and i'm mocking people And i'm being an asshole i understand that because i don't like how i'm being treated but understand i know that it comes from a good place with good intention but the impact is not as impactful as you think it is it actually it impacts more negatively then 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 the then the the intent behind it calling a big person pretty after they've just talked about how people used to play tricks on them saying oh my homeboy I want to talk to you do you understand what I'm saying when a doctor when you go in for foot pain I remember going to my podiatrist I because I tell y'all this story all the time I was working out at the um at the gym at my job when I was an office manager and I went and bought them crazy ass ridiculous ass shoes that didn't give me no support and I was running and jumping in them four or five times a week and then all of a sudden like I just start feeling pain and I had a pinched nerve in my foot so I go to my podiatrist and she's like hey yeah we're gonna put you um She's like, if it's too much pain, I'm going to put you in a boot. If it's not, then I'm going to do a, she did like this, like wrap on me that I couldn't get my foot wet or anything like that. So she was like, yeah, let's wrap your foot up. Let's get you some, some, some inserts in your foot. And then, uh, I'm going to put you on diclofenac, which is a, a a steroid, uh, pill for, for pain girl. <laughs> I'm in the thing. I'm in the meeting with her or the the appointment with her and she's like, but I, I do want to let you know as you as one of your doctors, you need to lose weight. I'm in here because I put myself, and mind you, this is not medically managed at this time. I put myself on an 800 calorie diet and I was doing HIIT workouts four to five times a week because I wanted to be an Instagram baddie so fucking bad. So that I could experience desirability and desire capital. And and be able to, to experience a beauty as a currency. I know why I'm in here. I need you to help me with my fucking foot. You telling me that I'm big is not helping me my fucking... I know I'm big. When I stepped on the scale, it said big. What the hell you want me to say? So everywhere you fucking turn, it's always somebody especially in positions of power people who invoke the power of institutions they're always trying to turn around and tell you that you're big you're big you're big you're big I know that when I get on a plane, I know I got to buy extra seat, um, and, and have and ask for a seatbelt extender because we live in a world where they don't they don't make planes for big people or tall people for that matter, because more than likely, these planes, these restaurants, they find the smallest chairs and the smallest tables because they're trying to pack as many bodies into this plane into this fucking restaurant as possible. So they're not considering the diversity of body types. Um, I know that when I walk into a store, I'm not going to be able to buy no clothes there because they don't got no clothes for me. Even when I walk into Torrid, that overpriced, shitty ass store, you walk into that motherfucking store and everything is, and, and, and my, my, my particular shape, it, it doesn't fit the sizes of the mannequins. They make stuff for big girls. The stuff on the mannequins for big girls with no stomach and the stuff that's on the rack, is they they expect you to be big all over, but we come in so many different shapes and sizes. I have a smaller breast. I can't wear their bras in uh the store. I have a wider stomach. I can't fit in their pants. So I'm just like, damn, this is ridiculous. You damned if you do, damned if you don't. And so and so now, and so when people hear me talk about my experience, I I hope people understand that. One, I'm not the only person who's gone through this, but also like, this is why me and a lot of other big people be racking our brains, trying to lose weight, trying to do all this. Cause I'm like, dang, like I just want to be accepted and just thought about as a human being and not thought about with my belly first. Cause, cause even to the point of, I'd be looking at some like plus size influencers and I'm like dang I wish I had your size because then I wouldn't be worried about stuff no more but even the small fats or people who are considered to be acceptable fats they still go through fat phobia and other stuff and body image issues and body dysphoria a whole bunch of things and it's like damn like you just you can't win for losing so yeah all of that to say it doesn't fucking matter how pretty you tell me that I am. It doesn't matter how much somebody's like, oh, like, uh, I want to fuck you or you're so pretty, you're desirable. You you don't have to lose no way you're me. It doesn't matter. None of that. Y'all are trying to validate fat people in their personal areas or like in their personal lives versus understanding that we live in a world that was like literally meant to kill us kill us as black folks kill us as fat folks anybody who is not able-bodied and white and christian they don't want you around and y'all know exactly what i mean when i say they the superstructure the government the one percent and so now and 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 with that and there's so many people who be like oh like it's black people who who are who do this too yes because when we are inside the empire there are different groups of people categorized by race socioeconomic class um like culture heritage race religion we're all indoctrinated and so at some point we all carry water or are still carrying water for the superstructure so that's why anti-fatness has dominated every culture in the fucking world but like i i remember taking an african art class back at fisk and i remember seeing the beauty figurines um that were from the ife culture and the nok culture they are the the pre the precursor cultures before yoruba culture and there are even some uh yoruba figurine statues and so we were looking and uh admiring and observing how each culture as it as it as its own subculture how each figurine uh represented the uh beauty standard of that culture and each of those figurines was plus size. Literally one of the figurines from the Yoruba um like the Yoruba, I think it was like from the Oyo Kingdom, it was long titties. I have long titties like Squidward's nose, um a a hanging stomach and a high bell pepper high back booty. It's like a little Little, you see if you ever turn a bell pepper upside down, so you see the bottom of the bell pepper, and it's like the little cups on the bottom, and then like it's like flat, and then it's like boom, there you have the top. That's what my, that's literally what my body shaped like. That's what these figurines were shaped like, and in my culture, this was the beauty standard. But now, everybody done been fucked up by by European colonization and 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 southernization and all the Asians and isms and and everything, and so now the the beauty standard is you need to be at least for certain communities and or at least a brown black and brown communities I I would say I would think is in my observation yes it is to be thin but now it's to be like slim thick yeah because you can't be too skinny but you can't be fat but you got to be fat in the right places which are just items of thinness and even if you are thin at least you're not fat it's just fucking wild and it's fucking crazy and I'm tired of it for me my solutions my next steps are for me to continue into fat studies continue into like fat politics but I also want other people to develop a politic I'm at the point where when someone tells me oh it's okay that you're big is you're you're still pretty I'm I'm gonna spit in your face like what are you telling me that for or I'm just not gonna respond to you because I'm just like I I didn't need you to tell me that. That's not uplifting. I think one thing that I read um, here in the belly of the beast, uh, Deshawn writes, fuckability as desire and desirability does not mean that all bodies deemed fuckable are humanized, nor does it mean that every person who has sex with the black fat sees them as living beings deserving of care. Understand, that is the point that I'm trying to get to when you all conflate desire with quality of life or rather you conflate desire with your humanity you're not leaving any room for critique of the structure that holds this all together because you're you're thinking that if i just call this person pretty then therefore they'll feel good about themselves and they'll stop crying about how a doctor almost uh killed them because they misdiagnosed them because You're in a room with a doctor and a doctor's like, well, you just need to lose weight and you're fat and doesn't bother to run test or screen you for any fucking thing. Do you see how beauty didn't save this fat person from violence? And now this fat person, particularly, particularly this fat black person is now dead because you're just you're too busy or we're too busy conflating health and wellness and quality of life and desirability. Uh, with with the value of human life. It doesn't matter how desirable or how fuckable you think I am if a doctor is not going to um, uh, test me for issues when I say I'm having heart problems. If I say I'm having chest pain and they're like, they don't run the EKG. Oh, well, you're having chest pain because you're fat. You need to go run and lose weight. Now this fat person collapses in the middle of the hallway. Now this fat person is dead when all you had to do was run a fucking EKG. Like, Somebody saying that you're still pretty even though you're big doesn't save me from the violence. And that is the point where I'm getting to with this episode. We have to develop politics outside of desirability and outside of fuckability, outside of whatever surface level analysis that you have come to based on social media and interactions with your immediate community because people are fucking dying. And if we don't start putting on our critical thinking caps, what makes you think that you're not going to die in this structure? Please. It is literally a call for help. It's like to me, and I don't really like to compare tragedies to other tragedies, right? Like, but if but if I have to do it in a way where it can make you understand, it it's the same where black women are not believed um, when they are having, medical issues especially during childbirth so now add that to a fat black woman a man, like you understand like the the compiling of marginal identities like put yourself even if you're thin put yourself in a fat person's shoes you yourself as a black person are already not getting quality health care because simply because you're black simply because you're poor now imagine that you add fatness on top of that it's a lot of shit to work through moms. but my point is is that understand there's no way that beauty or self-love oh that's a huge one I've mentioned that before when people like oh uh all you have to do is just love yourself I do love myself it's society that doesn't love me (laughs) how can you self-love your way in a society that says, you know, because I don't love you, I want to kill you and I want you harmed. And I don't want any good things to happen to you because I don't love you. And I, and I'm showing you that I don't love you through the laws, through the institutions, through the way that everything is structured from the way, um, uh, uh the seats are on the plane to, to, to medical fat phobia, medical bias and all this stuff. Understand this is what I'm talking about. We cannot self love our way out of oppression. You like, imagine Imagine going up to a person who's being harassed by a police officer and you tell them, it's okay. Just pull up your pants and the man will stop to being racist. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the same thing. Even though I said I normally like to compare tragedies or struggles because a lot of these things are intertwined. But it's the fact that people do not have any, uh, any politic that is beyond surface level. So I'm challenging you, everyone who's listening, fat and thin included challenge it in yourself challenge it when you see it challenge it in the things you watch understand that beauty desirability fuckability that shit is not going to make that's not going to absolve fat people from violence also watch how we talk to and about fat people don't minimize my experience because I'm fat. Because I know it's a lot of people's first things. Well, if you're fat, why not just lose weight? You fat bitch. <laughs> like I know it's people who, who who may hear this and may think that, but understand weight loss is not so simple for everybody, especially when people have chronic illnesses, when people have uh, grief. I started to. I was on a medically uh, managed weight loss program, like I said before. I had lost about twenty pounds on my own, just doing um, watching my calories, watching what I, what I took in, um, and they, they put me on a 1200 calorie diet, but, um, I was like, at the point at the time, that was the goal. And I was like, okay, with my lifestyle and everything, you know, just going for walks. And I was so proud of myself for the first time. Cause I was like, I didn't harm myself to lose weight I ate three times a day with snacks and I even think sometimes I ate a little bit more than 1200 because I know my body I know when I get fucking hungry like mm, like this 1200 do- 1200 calorie diet is a starvation diet it's a diet of a toddler at the time I was like what twenty five, twenty six when I went on this or 27 I can't remember um but yeah it was right before it was in 2019 so it was right before My dad died, I think right before my 27th birthday, it was, it was a lot of stuff going on. And so I was like this for the first time, I did not injure myself in a workout. I did not starve myself, you know, to, to, I did not starve myself in terms of like, you know, not eating for days and days on end and then binging. I just ate a, a recommended plan and I saw results and I was like, so like proud of myself. And then In December of 2019, my dad dies. I couldn't even, I couldn't even drink water, let alone go for a walk and try to clear my head. I was so fucking distraught in the first couple of days. Then after the first couple of days, I was like, okay, I need to do something. I need to do something. So like, I'm just like randomly like cleaning the house. And then I would like be in depression. Then I would take a shower. And then I really started to fall apart. The showers stopped. I stopped worrying about the calories. I couldn't even focus about being on a 1200 calorie diet. And then all the weight that I lost came back cuz I was grief eating. And so people do not consider there is such a lack of empathy and emotion, emotional intelligence. There's such a lack of compassion because I remember telling a friend that I'm just I'm having a really hard time. Uh, you know, I think at the at the first time I was like I'm having a really hard time like taking care of myself like I don't remember the last time I bathed or drank water or ate any food and her response was her response was oh my god think about how skinny you're gonna be and I was like haha okay um I have to go I was so out of it I was like I know this bitch did not just say that I want to cluster out but I was like I don't have energy and then on the on the other side when I started to gain weight it was like oh well you you. it's because you're, you're you know it's fine it happens yeah like you know you're totally fine just give yourself a couple more weeks and you'll snap out of your dad being dead and then you can go back to losing weight Mind these are white people telling me this and then I remember uh I had a family friend who was also making comments about my weight like oh it looks like you put on some weight yes Because I have been eating my feelings to try to find comfort and fill the hole, the void that is inside of me because my fucking father is dead. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like fat phobia does not rest. It doesn't fucking rest. Same thing. I think I remember I told y'all when I had a family member come over um, when I was trying to, I, I needed help because I was having an endometriosis episode and they were like, oh, you, you look good. Like you're losing weight. And I'm like, I haven't eaten in five days because I'm in pain. What the fuck is wrong with you? So all of that to say, (laughs) self-love, beauty, desirability, none of that shit saves you from fat phobia. Doesn't save you when a doctor doesn't want to run any tests on you because they think you're a lazy fat piece of shit. Same way that respectability politics doesn't save you when one of those mean girl, uh, mean girl, high school mean girl to nurse pipeline bitches don't want to give you morphine because they don't believe your black ass is in pain. So all I say is there's a lot of unlearning that we all have to do. And I come with love. And I'm just also speaking out of frustration because I'm just like <sighs> a big girl is tired. <laughs> like I can't be the only one who realizes that all of this shit is really for naught Cause it's like, we're, we're dying anyway. So we might as well undo those structures that are killing us so that we may have a fighting chance to live. Girl, I hope I've conveyed my point because I'll be talking. (laughs) Girl, I'll be saying stuff. But yeah, until next time, my orchids, everybody just take a second to just reflect. Breathe in, breathe out whatever you need to do for yourself this week to find peace to find joy i pray that you do it and you know these there are resources i need to start linking resources where i get these books and how you can support these authors and these activists who write this literature for us to read and to engage with with each other and build community with one another so that we can build a better world um we have to abolish and do away with the structures anyway Until next time, be easy.